This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek from the Friday Night Drive here with the Record North Shore founding member, Joe Coughlin, as we get you all caught up on some hoops action, Thanksgiving tournaments happening. So um, a lot to talk about there. We'll do our usual four-quarter format for this week's episode of the podcast, where in the first quarter we recap um, basketball, both boys and girls basketball in the area. In the second quarter, we are joined by new Trier boys basketball head coach, Scott Fricky. In the third quarter, we play way or no way, our weekly guessing game. And then in the fourth quarter, we are going to do some football action as well as we recap some state uh, football as well. So why don't we get things started here? And we will start off by uh, talking about the boys' basketball tournament um, that took place. Loyola and Nutrier co-hosting each other Um Nutrier showing that it's the real deal. Um, we talked about him a little bit last week, but um, Nutrier running out to a 51 to 41 win over highly rated Lake Forest. Um, they also beat Loyola earlier to win uh, the Thanksgiving tournament. Joe, I know you got a chance to uh, check some hoops out. And obviously, uh, we talked about this Nutrier uh, boys basketball team, but um, just seeing them out there and playing, I mean, um, how good does this team look? Yeah, it was it was a pleasure to get out there on Saturday and check them out. And I just want to start. Let's just start with the defense, because uh, it was one a little unexpected because so much is touted about their their powerful offense and their their balanced uh, balanced offensive schemes. But their defense is going to be a problem um, for a lot of teams. It's it's big. It's physical. It's it's rangy. um, And they switch everything. So uh, while for a lot of teams, that means, okay, you can hunt the mismatch. Nutrier's got a lot of length and they're, they work very well together. So it's a dangerous game if you hunt the mismatch because they'll switch on you again and until they get straight. They worked very well together as a, with the team defense. So I was very impressed with their defense and what they did on um, Lake Forest star Asa Thomas, who uh, just dropped 40 points a, a couple nights earlier. And then he put up 21 to beat St. Ignatius, a very good team, uh, before Nutria put the clamps on him. Led by Noah Shannon, um, who's, a, who's like a 6'5 uh, wing forward type. Um, but really, it was a team scheme because uh, they tried to get Shannon off him. Um, then you'd have Jackson Monroe out there. You'd have Kirkpatrick out him, Josh Kirkpatrick. Uh, you'd have Jake Feegan, who's a ferocious defender as well, um, out there. So... It was really a, a team scheme on Asa Thomas and a couple of other Lake Forest guys got their points, but um, really it was, it was just a really good, it's a really good scheme. And if they keep up that level of intensity on the defensive end of the floor, uh, they're going to be tough to beat for anybody. What, uh, I mean, obviously they're able to shoot it. They got the height and that kind of stuff. Do you feel like, um, obviously this is a team that's really, we're only a week and the two into this uh um, to this boys basketball season, but do you feel like this defense could really be the difference or do you think that this, there are games where the offense could overpower some opponents? Yeah, I'm sure they'll have to. I'm sure there's going to be um, coaches who figure out that defense or have a good scheme against it to get their points. Um, but 
it, it is pretty solid. So I think it's going to be a factor. The, the thing with a, with a, a switch everything type defense is you got to have intensity and you got to be on the same page and work in coordination. So those things can take a dip as a long season progresses. Uh, so, but if they don't, then it, then it's going to be a problem um, and, and pretty steady. Now their offense though, can score. Now we talked about, I talked about in that story, Josh Kirkpatrick hit five threes, um, including three in the, in like the opening couple minutes um, Noah Shannon hit one too. So they were up 12 zero um, within the first four or five minutes, I think. Um, and I think that's the type of team they're going to be other than those though, they didn't shoot it that well. Jake Fegan was probably two for six, two for seven. Um, and he's going to be a, a shooter all year. He's going to have big nights as well. Um, Noah Shannon, I think was only one for something. So their shot wasn't great um, overall that night um, in the second half. Jackson Monroe took over and that's your um, that's kind of your, your bedrock. That's your fail safe. You can go into Monroe and he's going to be careful with the basketball. He can score in a variety of ways down in the post with either a post move, a kick out. He can face up and hit a jumper. Um, he's, he's obviously huge. He's six. Uh, what did I say? Is he six, eight or six, nine? So he can face yeah. up and shoot over who's ever on him. Um, and he gets to the line too. So, that's your fail safe if your shot hasn't fallen. He proved it in the second half with I think 15 of his 19 points. Um, he's what he where he's progressed is I think he's just really reliable and steady. Um, and because he had he had the skills, I just think he knows how to properly kind of execute them now and when to execute them, decision making and all that. So um, I think it's just a very dangerous team because you know you got that fail safe in Monroe in the post. You got your shooters in Fegan, Kirkpatrick, Shannon, uh, Carlo Kolak comes in. Um, and then your point guard is Peter Canellos, who might be one of the quickest guys in the state. He's he's not big, which is his one downside, but he's super quick and can break down any defender. He did that a number of times against Lake Forest and kicked it out to open shots. So when you have him and Monroe able to draw defenders and kick it out, uh, you're going to be in pretty good shape to get open looks. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned a, um, a strong defense. When we think of teams with strong defenses, obviously we think of Loyola's boys basketball team. And um, when those two teams faced off against each other, I mean, it wasn't even close. It was a 47-18 win um, for New Trier over Loyola um, on Wednesday. I mean, um, we, we knew that this Loyola team was going to be a, a work in progress and we're going to have to figure things out. But um, based on what you know, Joe, I mean, does the score reflect just – New Trier being at a different level right now and Loyola still figuring things out, or is this going to be a um, potentially, I mean, I'm not trying to make any hot takes after one week, but a down year for the Ramblers. No, I think the Ramblers are solid. Um, I think they had a down night shooting because I think more than New Trier, they are shooting dependent and uh, they got to hit some shots. They have a real off night and against a tough defense like New Trier, I think New Trier put the clamps on them. Um, you know, that can make the difference. And uh, it certainly did on that night. Nutria is obviously a very good rebounding team too. Loyal is going to have size issues. Uh, they play a pretty small lineup. But against St. Ignatius the next day, they had a hot shooting night, or i sorry, a couple days later, and put up 51 points. So uh, they could score uh, in the 50s, uh, but I think it is pretty shooting dependent. And I think Nutria, that rivalry game, I think they got a lead. Nutria didn't even shoot it well in that matchup. Um, but they took advantage of uh, getting a lead and just 
kind of, uh, uh, you know, put the foot on the gas a little bit and kept the clamps up. All right, we'll talk more about the boys, Ramblers, and Trevians in the second and third quarter. But let's move on over now to the girls' team where um, Loyola and Nutrier met each other up in the championship game where uh, Loyola took the cha- took the championship, winning 43-25 to 25, um, to take the score there. Um, in the staff report, Joe, I know you wrote that um, obviously this Loyola team was very talented last season, but it get ch- didn't get a chance to uh, – compete for a state championship because of COVID-19 and the lack of playoffs there. But um, it seems like this team is just going to pick up where every Loyola girls basketball team does every single year, where uh, senior Angelina Giordano got at Loyola with 17 points. Sophomore Paige Angles added 12 points for Loyola. Um, and this Loyola team's two weeks into the season, two and a half weeks in as we're recording this on Wednesday, um, looks again to be the real deal. Yeah, I think so. I think they're going to be um... – right up there with the best of them. You know, last night too, they, they gutted out a win against mother Macaulay. I think it was 38, 33. Yeah. So one of those, you know, GCAC battles that not much scoring, a lot of defense, you got to get your points um, when you can. So um, they came from behind to win that one, the move, I think seven to no. So they're a very good team. I actually caught up with coach Schoenecker a little bit at the, um, at the boys game. Um, he was there. He's part of the athletic department administration so we were chatting you know he, you know he mentioned like you know a lot of as we talked about a lot of shoes to fill a lot of varsity talent left last year to graduation moved on to play college ball and you know it, he wasn't even sure and they're still figuring out what they're bringing to the table some some youngsters their first varsity minutes you never know how they're going to react but I think it might be a little case of you know success begets success you know this team's used to winning they came off one of the biggest even though it was shortened um, you know most successful years in the regular season that they've ever had. Um, so I think they're used to it. And Angelina Giordano gives them a, she transferred for Montini for last year, but on Montini, she was a, a starter as a sophomore or the sixth uh, person off the bench. She had a lot of varsity minutes. And uh, so she's got experience. She's a leader out there. Morgan Van Horns, uh, a senior leader. She got time last year. She's a shooter. Um, and they got some other, I think uh, Morgan Bruno is another name that comes to mind. I think she's a sophomore. Um, so we got some players here who are going to do some things, got to figure out exactly how they mix, but it's very clear that they got talent to, uh, to compete and put up a lot of wins. Yeah. The Trevians, um, they, uh, finished obviously second in the tournament, junior forward made Kelly in that game against Loyola Pace, Nutria with 10 points, senior Casey Sheroff had eight, um, while Abby Ryan, uh, the two are, uh, the, along with uh, returning Abby Ryan, the two are uh, key pieces for the Trevians, like you wrote in your story. Joe Trevian's got wins against Phillips, Warren, Taft, and Fenwick before the game. So um, obviously not nothing to look down upon for this uh, Nutrier team where um, they weren't able to hang with Loyola, but I don't think that really means um, anything negatively about the Trevians heading into conference play here. No, and they were missing Abby Ryan, and that's not included in the story because I didn't have that confirmed. I just noticed she wasn't in the box and uh, I wanted to make sure she wasn't there and and she's their leader and she was on a college visit uh, reportedly. Um, So early season tournament, you're going to get that sometimes. So that's their leader. Who knows if they would have put up a little better fight or even um, competed for a victory against Loyola, but I think they would have against Stevenson. I think she was gone for that one too. So uh, Stevenson, another good team that was part of that tournament. So hard to judge the Trevians off that uh, with missing Abby for a couple games. Um, she's a, 
she's a wing. She's going to be one of their best players, um, if not the best. She's, she was a starter a year ago. She's very talented. Um, she gets she gets it done across the board. She rebounds. Um, she plays defense. So um, Abby Ryan's key to them. Maeve Kelly, I think I think she's a sophomore, uh, maybe a junior, but she's going to be a big piece for them as well. Another big uh, forward um, that kind of does that. Uh, you know, Nutria always gets the length in there and, and um, the athleticism with that length. And she's going to be one of those players. So I think just with those two, they're going to compete and they've got um, pieces around them, like you mentioned. So um, I think the Trevians will be just fine. I think they're going to be um, a sectional uh, contender. I think they'll be up there when, when a push comes to shove at the end of the year. Yeah, Nutria started conference play Tuesday night with the 59 to 22. Um, win over Niles West. So uh, Trevian's getting back at it um, after a disappointing loss to Loyola, but um, starting conference play with a big win there. So we'll pick up on girls basketball in the third quarter, but let's now move on over to the second quarter where we are joined by Nutri Boys basketball coach Scott Pricky. Joe, I know you got a chance to catch up with coach um, after uh, the team's uh, win over Loyola at the Thanksgiving or win over Lake Forest at the Thanksgiving tournament. Um, what are the folks at home going to hear from Scott? Yeah, we talked to coach uh, just about, you know, I really wanted to know more about that defense they were running. Um, also talked about the hot shooting uh, that came out of the gates from Josh Kirkpatrick and just overall their feelings after a championship win to start the season. All right, let's take a listen. So we, our, our plan was just not to leave him, you know, and always know where he was on the floor. And, you know, it's, you know, I thought we did a good job. You too. Noah, yeah. You stay, too. Stay here, stay here. If you could Noah hang back for him. a sec. <laughs> um, but you put a big, strong, physical kid like him on him, you know, and, and we passed him around a little bit on our team. You know, all five guys had to know how to guard him. Uh, and I don't know if you can uh, really scheme up, you know, three threes off the bat from this guy, but. Uh, yeah. Well, well, I mean, on the I'm offensive not surprised. Zone, yeah. He's a really good shooter, you know, and uh, you give him open looks, he's going to make them, you know, and, and we've got a lot of other guys that can shoot like that, which makes our team special. we got a, you know, low post presence and, and uh, you know, we got guys who can handle it and score and shoot, so it's a good combination. When I talked to Jackson for the, after the week, he mentioned that if you guys figure out maybe an identity on defense or just you know, get that going, that you'll be something really special. It seems like the Loyola game, this game, you guys got it rolling on defensive end. Do you yeah. feel that way? Yeah, I really do. And, you know, we, we challenged these guys at the beginning of the season, and we said our, our season's going to go either one way, either of two ways. We're not going to defend and have an average season, or we're going to defend like crazy and have a great season. So defense is our emphasis. We spend more time on defense than offense, and uh, it's, it's because – Defense wins games, and we, we feel that way. And, and we've played a couple of good games now of defense. And I, I saw this last year a, a little bit um, with Canellis, but he breaks down the defense. And with this defense, so how important is is having a guy like huge. that? He's, Peter's a huge part. And, you know, the thing that Peter's so unselfish, he is a very good shooter. But he passes to guys that he knows make shots, you know. But he hit a big three today. Yeah. Uh, hit a big three in our last game. You know, he had two threes the game before. So, you know, if you decide you don't want to guard him, he's going to hit threes against you. Um, you decide you're going to match him up with, like they did, they put size on him, he's going to go by you. So he's he's a tough matchup for anybody. But he's a huge part of our team. 4-0, um, you got the tournament title. How do you feel at this point early? You know, we're playing one game at a time. 
you know, and uh, we're, we're happy that we got a chance to play in a really good Thanksgiving tournament because I was telling these guys, I, I don't know of a better Thanksgiving tournament out there with, you know, there, there were four high quality, highly ranked teams in here, you yeah. know, and uh, you see Loyola beat St. Ignatius mm -hmm. today. I mean, they're not an easy team to play and they're good. No. So, you know, to, to start the season with not only winning four games, but to, to beat the quality. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Take care. But to win, you know, against the quality, that, that's a good start for us. Um, but we're going one game at a time and, you know, we're looking forward to starting conference play next week. Thanks so much, Scott, for joining us. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who join us each and every week. Always appreciate everyone's insight into what is happening beyond the shows. All right, folks, we are halfway through the podcast. That means we're going to jump on over to the third quarter and play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game uh, where Joe and I say whether a proposition I say can happen way or cannot happen no way. We're going to go back to boys basketball here, Joe. Uh, way or no way that the Loyola Academy boys basketball team can beat Nutrier if the two meet each other down the road again? Oh, um, you know, if the question is, can they beat them? I will say way there is, you know, this is a good team. They're well coached. Um, they've got talent on that roster. Um, I was very impressed with how they handle the basketball. Uh, when I watched a little bit of them versus St. Ignatius and, and, uh, um, we're very sure-handed with it, um, so I think they got um, some ball handlers, and they've got the toughness and the shooting. So, you know, given a hot night and an off night for Nutria, I think, of course, I think there is a way uh, they can beat them. There are a couple different paths to victory for for the Ramblers in a game like that. Not to mention the rivalry, so just intensity up, drama up, all that good stuff. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you there. I think um, obviously, like you said, it was the down shooting night for the Ramblers. Um, when it came to playing against Nutria. And I think if they do have a hot shooting night, um, I think Nutria, right, as of right now, is the better team. Um, but I do think that if the two teams meet each other down the road, potentially in a sectional matchup, um, I do think that uh, Loyola does have the potential uh, to beat uh, Nutria. All right, Nutria boys basketball, Joe. Any chance, way or no way, that the Nutria boys basketball team can be a top five team in the state this season? Uh, yes. I think, yes. Um, you know, I, you rarely see, at least I, I've rarely seen that type of balance, um, especially with a dominant big man. You have that dominant big and also that shooting around him. Man, that's a dangerous combination in high school hoops. It's a dangerous com combination in any hoops. You play that inside-out game. Jackson's very good. Uh, Jackson Monroe, that is, uh, with handling the ball, uh, makes smart decisions. Um, so I, I think they're very dangerous and I was really looking to see that defense. Can they play defense against, you know, top opponents? We saw it against Lake Forest and their star, Asa Thomas. Will we see it against GBS when they bring almost a similar with, with, a, with a star in Nick Martinelli and a elite shooter in Cooper Norad? Um, we're going to see that matchup a couple of times. So, um, but I think they are a top five team. If I were to put it, you know, I haven't seen everybody, of course, but um, I say way, absolutely. I think I, not, I, I would agree with you there again. I think um, I don't think they're better than Glenbard West. Obviously, we're only like a week into the season, so it's really hard to make any grand proclamations. I think Glenbard West is really deep. Um, Whitney Young is good as always. Simeon is good as always. Um, but I do think that with the way you're describing Nutria and just what they're able to do inside, outside, play you tough on defense, shoot you out, they can hit you down the post. Um, I do think that this Nutria team does have the potential to be a top five team um this season and i think that if they continue to play 
at the level that granted they've, they've played at for a week. Um, they do have the potential to be a top five team, um, but they just got to keep on going. And I agree with you. I think that first test against GBS um, in the conference play, that'll really do it. And then obviously New Evanston um, has uh, started the season um, like it does for a no. Um, I expect that to be another big matchup. I think some teams, obviously some play, some people in the area um, just don't know much about Evanston yet because they've got a lot of new talent coming in, but um, right. some of those two teams are going to be a hard test. And I think if Nutri is able to beat them and play their game against uh, um, Evanston and GBS, um, I think that there's definitely a way that uh, Nutri boys can be uh, in the top five when it comes to state rankings. All right, we'll move on to the girls' team now. Way or no way, Joe, that this Nutri girls basketball team can win a conference title? Yeah, way. I think I think they're going to be in in a good position. I think um, last year, if we're being honest, I think the G the CSL South on the girls' side is a little down, um, or at least it was in the winter spring season um, that we just had. So uh, Maine South, I believe, came out. Um, with the title, um, right. I think uh, Nutria has got a little another year of experience under their belts, um, with a lot of underclassmen that played last year, and and they're going to be an issue in that conference. I think uh, GBS and GBN are also right up there, but I think Nutria is a step ahead. So I I want to say it's going to be between um, them, Evanston, and Maine South, and uh, I think they got as good a chance as any. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I think they definitely have the chance to. Uh... Um, win the division, um, like you said, not particularly a strong division. Who knows? Uh, always fun to make those claims two weeks into a season, but um, <laughs> um, it's uh, they'll never they'll never go back and uh, uh, and bite you if you ever make big cop proclamations a week or two into the season. But um, yeah, I think this new year girl, uh, girls basketball team definitely has a chance to uh, um, win conference. Where no way, Joe, that the Loyola Academy girls basketball team is better than last year's team. Obviously last year we didn't have a conference chat. We didn't have a, a playoffs or anything like that. And obviously this team is only two weeks into its season, but way or no way that this team can be better than last year's team. Oh man, I love last year's team. Um, you know, that was so great to follow them after, you know, how many months without sports that we had a couple months without high school sports. Uh, we were able to follow Loyola girls. I was on their beat for a while and um, they were just so impressive. So fun to watch. They won the conference title, I believe outright for the first time. And I don't have the story in front of me, but first time in a bit because um, Montini usually dominates that conference. So they were able to win it on right outright. Uh, that was a special team. Um, those girls uh, from um, summer Parker hall to uh, Sill. Uh, Sylvester, so to uh, Ariel Davu, they're all playing at, at different spots. Uh, Izzy Oglory, they're, they're, they're all doing well. So um, I don't think they can get to that point, um, but uh, I think they're up for the challenge. Um, I think they want to. I think they want to at least continue that legacy that those girls left and has kind of continued on in Loyola girls basketball. And uh, um, I think they're going to give it their best shot. I just think they fall a little bit short in that leadership and experience category. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find a way of how I could disagree with you here, but I really don't think I can. Um, I, I, I think uh, I think this, I mean this team this team could very easily prove me wrong and um, say that last year's team was obviously very talented, but this team's is better. But um, I just agree with you. I, I just agree with you there, where I think uh, 
this team doesn't have the leadership that last year's team did not just doesn't have the experience, I guess I should say not leadership, but um, that last year's team was just had been there, done it. Uh, they had showed everything throughout the regular season that um, they were definitely worthy of at least being a sectional favorite, if not a team that could potentially go down the state. So um, obviously that can change in a month where uh, the Ramblers continue to prove that they are a dominant team. And um, obviously that win against Mother Macaulay is a, a really strong point for that this year's Loyola's team. But um, I do think that I will agree with you there. And I will say uh, no way that this year's team is better than last year's team. All right, final way or no way, football season is officially over, which is we're obviously sad about that, um, and champions have been crowned. But way or no way that Loyola deserves to be ranked higher than some champion teams this year? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I was almost ready for that question. I didn't know you were asking it, but um, I, I just think – Lockport's way up there. Lockport beat Loyola and then won the state title over Maine South. You put Loyola in that championship game, they beat Maine South. I I don't think there's any question about it. I think they beat them without Marco Maldonado. Um, with Maldonado, I think they beat Lockport, or at least it's a, it's a back-and-forth affair um, similar to the Brother Rice game. Um, so I think Loyola is a, a top-five team. Um, so I, I'd probably put them ahead um, of – if we're looking at the state champs, um, I'm trying to go through them. I don't, you know, you can't put them ahead of Lockport. I don't think you can put them ahead of Wheaton North, um, but I think some other ones, or or maybe JCA, but or Cary Grove. Where, yeah, maybe some of the other ones. <laughs> yeah. You can't you can't put them against of Cary Grove because of what Cary Grove did to East St. Louis. I think Wheaton North was unbelievable. They beat Brother Rice uh, in convincing fashion, um, and St. Rita. Um, and Lockport. So I guess who won 5A? Who am I missing? Fenwick. Yes, I put them above Fenwick. There you go. They beat Fenwick. So, you would have, you, so we can obviously get into this in the fourth quarter, but you would have probably Cary Grove, um, Wheaton North, uh, East St. Louis, Joliet Catholic. Do you have them above the Ramblers? I do. I actually have Joliet Catholic one. Interesting. So you are, right, this is good football conversation we, that we can get into um, in the fourth quarter, but okay. Um, I think, uh, I think I'd agree with you there. I think uh, Loyola does deserve to be higher than some of the champion teams. Um, but when it comes to like some uh, teams like Kerry Grove and all that kind of stuff, I don't know if you can put them higher because they didn't get there. You can't put them higher against Lockport. So way that they can be uh, ranked higher than some teams, but I don't think you can put them above um some of the other uh, championship teams. So um, that's a good way to jump on over to the fourth quarter where um, any chance that we get a chance to talk about football, we will take it and we'll talk about um, some championship football that happened over the weekend. I was in DeKalb for two cold days, uh, Friday and Saturday, uh, on the sidelines watching all the championship action uh, take place where you had a Cary Grove take down uh, East St. Louis in a, probably one of the best games um, in a long, long time. Um, you had uh, Lockport beating Maine South. You had Fenwick winning its first uh, state championship. Um, you had Wheaton North beating uh, St. Rita for a championship. Two and one for the Catholic League um, when it came to championship games. But Joliet Catholic, I mean, Jordan Anderson setting a touchdown and uh, rushing record in a championship game for 4A there. Um, so, I mean, Joe, what were your just general impressions about it? And um, let's get Joe's top five or top ten 
uh, power rankings when it comes to state football here? Uh, okay, well, first we'll go with my general thoughts. My general thoughts are uh, I love state weekend. It's so fun uh, and exciting to, to see them these matchups actually play out. Now, not to brag, but I'm bragging a little bit, I guess. You know, the, the teams I thought would win did win. Um, you know, I, I thought we North would, you know, after they beat Brother Rice, how could you not think they'd beat up St. Rita? Um, and they did. And Lockport, I just thought were, were a better all-around team than Maine South. Um, saw Maine South kind of um, test the limits too many times this year. So I was not surprised by that at all. Of course, I was surprised by East St. Louis. I think everybody was, maybe not. Maybe there's some people smarter than me, but Cary Grove, wow, what a team. JCA did what I thought they'd do and, and Fenwick too. So um, I wasn't overly surprised, but it's fun to see it play out. It's fun to see these kids who you've watched throughout the year get a title, um, especially my, my Will County, where I'm originally from, um, take home three titles with JCA, Lockport, and Wilmington, our little our little guy out there, Wilmington and 2A. So um, great stuff. Um, I always like it. That being said, a lot of blowouts. And there's always a lot of blowouts. Uh, I haven't seen an in-depth analysis on this. I think someone's done it before, but I haven't seen it in the last few years. Uh, but that has to do with the seedings. We can do better with the rankings. The IHSA knows it can. It just plays a more hands-off style uh, laissez-faire uh, style uh, attack here when they're seeding and rankings. I think there's a couple ways to do it. You either seed better at the start or you take the final eight and you reseed it um, one through eight. So you have a more, so there's a better chance that you get the best two teams in the finals. There's a way to do this and we know it. Um, we just have to make sure to do it. I think it's what's best for the kids, you know, uh, uh, teams that are, nine and oh and beat up teams and they got to play another like they got to play east st louis in the second round because they're a 16 seed is silly and lacks common sense and we know better why don't we why don't we do something about it and but i mean we're, we're shouting into the abyss right because this has been said for years and years and i uh, just seems to be okay with with blowouts every year in in the title games but what are you gonna do so there's my rant but we can do better we should do better um, my top 10, uh, I'm going to do the, probably the back half of the top 10 off the top of my head, but I would go JCA. I thought they were the best team after like week two and they did nothing to convince me. Otherwise, actually I thought Loyola was, but, uh, they did stuff to convince me the wrong way, but, uh, I would say JCA is number one. I'd give it to Cary Grove for being a East St. Louis. Then I'd go Lockport and Wheaton North. And that's very difficult. Then I'd go Loyola. Um, then I'd go, uh, who am I missing? Yo, then I'd go East St. Louis. Then I'd probably go brother rice. Um, what are we at? I think we're at eight. You're at eight. Uh, yeah. I might put Maine South at 10. I'm figuring that nine, ninth team. I'm missing somebody here. Fenwick pretty low there. Who? Fenwick. Yeah. Maybe Fenwick, maybe Fenwick's the right choice right there at nine. Fenwick did make it a close game against Loyola. I mean, it, Fenwick's two losses came to Loyola, and uh, I'm trying. I think it was. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other team. Um, but Fenwick has been able to show offensively that they can really do it well, and defensively they were able to uh, um, really put a strong game against uh, uh, in the five A title game there. Yeah, I mean, I like Fenwick's a great team. Um, they, I just really don't think they have the overall manpower to compete with the Loyola. I've said it before when, when we talked about it right after that win for Loyola, 
they were within the five yard line or within the 10 yard line four separate times and, and didn't come away with points. One on a fumble, three on turnovers, uh, on downs. So uh, they, they couldn't figure out a way to score in the first game without Maldonado. Um, and so I really think that was a blowout way. They were up 24 to 10 with the ball on the one yard line and they fumbled and that would have put the game away in the third quarter. So I think a miraculous comeback, give Fenwick credit. Um, they definitely have some of the, some of the players to do that. I just don't think they have the well-rounded effort um, to beat a Loyola, to beat a brother rice uh, on a consistent basis. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it would have been, obviously this will never happen. I do think it would be fun if you had um, you have these champions and then you have the champions play each other and see like obviously one A plays two A, three A plays four A. So you're kind of similar there a little bit. Um, but I think it would be great. I mean, if we somehow saw um, like a matchup between Lockport and uh, or Kerry Grove and uh, Juliet Catholic, I mean that would be a great matchup where you have a really good defense trying to stop Jordan Anderson and their really crazy um, Hilltoppers offense, or um, you have Whedon North taking on uh, a Fenwick team or, uh, or a Lockport team where they can both uh, pass it out and that kind of stuff. But um, I think I, I, I don't know if I, I think I would go with Kerry Grove being number one. I think they just, to beat East St. Louis the way they did, um, to beat them the way they did, the talent that East St. Louis has and um, just how good East St. Louis is, um, obviously they were not prepared for that, uh, triple option that, uh, Kerry Grove runs, but, um, Kerry Grove is definitely number one for me. Um, I think you would have to go Joliet Catholic number two. Um, I think Lockport is number three. Um, and I think you could potentially, I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I'm curious to just see whether I could put Loyola above Whedon North where I, I do think that if those two teams played against each other. I think Loyola would beat Whedon North. It's so tough to say, you know, <laughs> Wheaton North proved themselves. I, I don't know why I, I'm, I'm, I have them sitting at four, but it feels right. But like they, they took down brother rice convincingly. Right. And they took down St. Rita uh, convincingly and Loyola barely beat St. Brother rice. And I know there's a lot of transitive properties here and, and it doesn't really equate to anything, but uh, I think they do deserve to be over Loyola, but I think it'd be a hell of a game. Um, I think that'd be a heck of a game. I think you put Lockport against Wheaton North or Lockport against Cary Grove. Man, I would love to see that stuff. Um, those are those are real matchups um, like we don't get every year. Some years it's like, okay, but they're the 5A champ, which was Fenwick, but you know what I mean? Like, okay, you know, they're the 6A champ. They could never compete with a dominant 8 you know, 12 and 0 Lincoln East or, or loyal in a couple of years. But this year, I feel like that would be a battle Royale. If we just take those four teams, JCA, Wheaton North, Cary Grove and Lockport and put them in a little college football style matchup. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would definitely be that. Would, you would get uh, quite the, those would be great football games that you would get there. If those four teams uh, faced off against each other um, moving there and then, um, Obviously, every season and every team could say, well, if this happened or this happened or this, every team is injured, every team has dealt with its uh, blows. But you really do wonder what this Loyola team would have been um, had it continued on the pace with Marco Maldonado in the first four games where, uh, I mean, Loyola was just dominating teams. Marco Maldonado, I mean, I know that Brother Rice game was uh, obviously a very close game, but 
you just have to think if that Marco Maldonado injury doesn't happen, um, you think that they could potentially get past Lockport, um, and then you would either have them beat Maine South or um, I forget who Maine or Marist, or um, you could have a Loyola team that could have been a state champion, but obviously it didn't happen because um, that's not how life works. You can't play in hypothetical situations. No, but it is a shame. I do think, you know, I was trying to think the other day of running backs who have really just blown me away. Uh, offensive players in general and Maldonado's at, at the top of the list. There, there's a couple that compete with him, um, but he's right there. What he was doing through four games was ahead of what Pemberton was doing, you know, four months, five months earlier, which is unbelievable because Pemberton went nutty uh, for, for six games. Right. Um, so I, I really think he was on his way to like a 2000 yard, you know, 30 touchdown type season. And uh, it's a shame we didn't get to see it, but you know, uh, broken collarbone does not end the career of somebody like Marco Maldonado. Um, any team that's, you know, college that's sleeping on him because of that needs to watch the tape. Um, and I know he's a bit undersized for a collegiate running back, but that burst is real. Uh, that patience is real and his awareness and just, you know, those running back, um, they're not intangibles. You can measure those things, but the, the patience and the, the vision, those are very real. Um, and uh, somebody's going to be lucky to have them. I know, Joe, you mentioned before we started the podcast that uh, you got some Loyola stats for you. Uh, they got uh, sent over. So um, a week after lock, after losing to Lockport, um, obviously a weekend after the state championship games here, um, what are still some things, lasting uh, thoughts that you have about the 2021 fall version of the Ramblers? Um, some numbers that maybe surprised you and uh, maybe something that we did not talk about enough uh, during the regular season, uh, just going week to week here. You know, I don't think it was talked about enough that Jake Sterney was the CCL player of the year. Um, their junior quarterback uh, won that award. Um, that's pretty special. Now, he ended with 19 touchdowns and 11 picks. I think a few of those picks. How many did he throw against Lockport? He had a few against Lockport. Yeah, he um, four or five. Yeah, so those, you know, a lot of those added up in the postseason. Um, but uh, he was, you know, 190 for 290, uh, so close to um, 60, 65%. I think that's over that. I can't do that quick math in my head. But um, 19 scores and 2,200 yards, um, that's a special season. Um, you know, I think Neil put in his story that uh, that Maldonado's point total was still the tops on the team, um, which is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> but right behind him was James Crutes. James Crutes scored seven times in just those last few weeks when they started to run him out of the backfield. And he was so critical for them uh, in trying to figure out what their offense was and how do they, how do they have a balanced attack without Maldonado and without Regan and without Nemesheim when they had uh, all those injuries. So that kind of stood out to me. Danny Collins had 55 catches. Um, that's a big, that's a big haul. Um, you know, most on the team, 620 yards, and six scores, had an 80-yard score. That was big. Their two tight ends combined for uh, 50-something catches as well. So uh, I should say 43 catches. But that's pretty cool. Their tight end game with Jack Parker, the two Jacks, and Fitzgerald, both juniors. We can look forward to them um, next year along with Jake Sterney coming back. You can kind of see it forming right now. Uh, Will Nemesheim. Uh, is going to be back there, and, and they're going to have a pretty good – and uh, they got more receivers as well with uh, Spencer Ledbetter and um, and uh, Charlie Mann. So 
it's going to be a good team next year. They're going to be dangerous on the defensive end of the ball. Um, obviously, uh, you got who uh, the the guy the guy Crutes, um, just an absolute stud. He ended with a hundred and hundred and um, seventeen tackles um, or so. Uh, pretty darn good to throw that with uh, a whopping uh, nineteen tackles for loss. Nineteen tackles for loss um, and six sacks. So. He had, oh, I'm sorry, 137 tackles. Their second guy, Jamie McCabe, had 115. So 137 total tackles. Unbelievable. 11 sacks for Graham McCabe. Um, I would have put the leader at um, at Sam Russian. He had six. Um, Kruitz also had six. But Graham McCabe had, had 11. Uh, big number, um, 90, 98, I think, off the edge. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, they got, they're going to bring Brooks Barr back. He had... Uh, four sacks and uh, he's a big guy too. So they're going to be, they're going to be in good shape next year. Some pretty, pretty impressive stats from this team. Yeah. I think that'll be really interesting um, as well. Um, who uh, obviously we're adding as we're uh, in the off season now, waiting to see um, how some players do um, college wise, really interested to see where Marco goes, really interested to see um, where James Cruz goes. Um, Brooks bars are getting a lot of offers. I mean, he's got an offer from, um, Purdue, it seems like a lot of programs are uh, really interested in him. But um, what are just some uh, off-season things that you're kind of um, interested to see what happens with the Ramblers um, as they uh, work here during the off-season and get ready for um, another campaign in 2022? Yeah, immediately I'm, I'm looking to see where, where James and Marco end up because I think those are all-state talents. Um, I think James, you know, I've seen, you know, linebacker is a, you know, a a type player in college in, in high school. You're going to see a lot of talent at that middle linebacker, even at the edge linebacker position. So, a lot of really good uh, players go there. We saw the um, the Maris kid go to Michigan. Um, so, I think you know James is right there. He had an unbelievable season. He's he's extremely physical. He's big. He can put. He's got uh, the type of body that he can put weight on. He's extremely athletic. I think you're going to see him. Um, go go to a Division One school and and then be very happy. Him get some playing time. So depends on who's going to scoop him up. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Illinois, um, just because of his ties there. But um, they're going to be happy. And and Marco, I think he's got. I think um, where did I see him get an offer from? He's got an offer. Um, yeah, Colgate. Yeah, and I think I think we're going to see a couple more coming. But I think this might be one where you see him go to a low level D one or even a even a D three or a local, and then he moves up and then he transfers because I think he's going to succeed. I just think he is. I think he's that talented um, and he works his butt off uh, and that's going to pay dividends. So that's immediately, you're going to start seeing Jake Sterney's name being tossed around because he's a division one talent, their quarterback. And, you know, with the quarterbacks in the off season, they get all the, uh, they get all the love in the off season where, you know, they go to this camp, they go to that camp, passing camp, seven on sevens, yada, yada. So you're going to start seeing his name thrown around. And I think Brooks is going to pick up a bunch of offers too. Um, and uh, a sleeper one, if we're talking just about Loyola, we could talk about Nutria. Maybe we save that for next week, but um, you know, we did the story on um, James Kyle, their tight end who has the health issue, but um, there's a way for him to play. We talked about this. Um, there's an, uh, Trey Smith with the Kansas City Chiefs has a very similar blood clot issue and it works for him in the NFL. So he, he wants to follow that same path and whoever picks him up is getting a, a division one 
like big five conference talent. He was being recruited everywhere before the blood clot issue. Somebody's got to take a risk because uh, there is obviously that medical medical condition, and uh, it takes a little bit, uh, a lot of bit of preparation to get him ready to play uh, with his blood thinners. And it just takes attention. So um, I know he's committed to doing it. And if uh, if someone signs him, I know he's got a, a couple preferred walkout offers. Uh, he's going to be he's going to be a, a a problem in college if all goes well. Yeah, it'll be really fun to see um, if and where he goes somewhere. Um, and obviously where all the uh, other Ramblers go. I saw Marco Maldonado put out a tape of um, him doing exercises. Like I think it was like the day after, or it was on Thanksgiving. Um, and he seems uh, based on the videos, him doing uh, different cuts, doing stuff that I cannot do um, in the gym. Um, yeah, he seems like he's more than ready to uh, play football and seems like he's uh, recovered from the collarbone injury uh, quite well. So um, it'll be really interesting to see where he goes um, moving forward here playing collegiate football. But uh, good to talk some football here as we are done here um, with the regular season of football. Obviously, anytime offseason stuff comes up, a commitment or two, um, We'll bring it up here in the podcast. But that's everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. We got some hoops for you. We had some uh, football as well. I'm sure we'll get some more other winter sports as we, as those kind of get started with wrestling, girls, gymnastics, boys, swimming, um, uh, girls wrestling as well, and uh, bowling as well. We'll get all of that insight in the upcoming winter episodes of the podcast as well as uh, we're not too far away, only one month left before we can start doing uh, year in review stuff as well. So uh, 2021 is uh, almost over here. So um, got a lot of stuff to talk about. But thanks as always for listening to the Varsity Podcast. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe anywhere that podcasts are available. Make sure to leave us a nice little review if you want and uh, spread the word as well. We always appreciate it. So for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. And if you guys want, check out Friday Night Drive State coverage. Dude, they kicked butt on that. Uh, That's where Michael is, um, and he was there with the team over the weekend. So that coverage was excellent. So check it out, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.